0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Last week, we were challenged to not take offense with one another, as such is it up to us, be at peace with all people, and hopefully you have started that process this past week, praying through some issues, uh, possibly going to someone and sorting out a relationship, asking God to help you to forgive and uh, to let go of things you've been carrying. Uh, As we move along into this week's message, we don't lay that aside, but that begins uh, the journey of for the rest of our lives in this world that we continuously ask God, please help me not to be offended. And uh, I mean, what was crazy, you can think of several times this week you had to think about that and that you had to ask God to help you to release that offense. So we will be uh, dealing with that until we're completely out of this body and standing before our Jesus one day. So it's not over. Keep working on. As such as is up to you, be at peace with everyone. Today I want to ta- talk about another area of offense. Uh, it's an offense that we feel towards God. Do you know I find that so often we don't even want to voice it, that we're offended with God. I can tell you years ago, I was very hurt by God and I felt like as a child of God, I couldn't even say so. I couldn't even tell him, you really have let me down here. It just sounded, it sounded like I was being a non-Christian by telling God I was offended. So what we do very often is that we just keep it to ourselves and stay quiet and don't allow God to deal with what we are feeling. Uh, as you look around, you start feeling these things in prayer because I keep telling you pray, 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 pray. And you will hear and see that everyone might be blessed but you. Uh, you're praying and it seems like God's answering everybody's prayers but yours. You're, you feel like God could have done more in a certain situation but he didn't show up. He didn't do what you thought and you knew he actually could do. You thought he could do so much more. you followed Jesus all your life. You've tried to live for him. you tried to obey him. And now when you desperately need him, he didn't show up. He wasn't there. So you're not alone in that experience. All of us have experienced, or you will at some point, basically what's called a crisis of faith. It it challenges your belief system. uh, A verse from my childhood that I remember reading when I was in sixth grade. I was 11 years old, and it made so much sense to me. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, So are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I remember as an 11-year-old going, shoo, what a relief. I do not have to think like God. I am not the answer to this world. The world is not dependent on me figuring everything out. I remember it really was such an explanation to my childhood faith that I couldn't understand God. I couldn't understand what he was doing. And it was a wonderful verse then, and a verse I still go back to over and over and over again when God doesn't make sense to me, when I don't understand what he's doing. You know, we can talk about the character of God easily. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Bible is filled with God saying, I am, and he describes himself completely to us. You don't even have to wonder who God is. You can read God's word, and it is Uh, filled with loads of scripture, praising God's character, God saying who he is. So I never have a reason, you don't either, to wonder about God's character. But what is God doing? Now that's a different story. We are always in a situation where we cannot predict what God is going to do. Sometimes, if you look at the Bible, sometimes Jesus would touch somebody to heal them. Another time, a woman touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. Yesterday, if you're doing the read through the Bible that our church is doing in Mark 7, a Gentile woman came to Jesus and begged him, would he go and heal her daughter that was possessed by a demon? And Jesus said to her, go home now, the demons left her. So the child wasn't even in his presence. Then three verses down, you see a deaf man with a speech impediment being brought to Jesus. And Jesus takes him aside, sticks his fingers in his ears, spits on his fingers, touches his tongue, and says, be opened!" and instantly the man could hear and speak properly. We can predict who God is, but I'm telling you, you cannot predict what he's going to do. What do we do, though? when Jesus seems uninvolved in our story, when he seems like he's not listening to our prayers, when he doesn't seem like he cares for what we're facing, when he's just silent. Christians go through the same human crisis that non-Christians go through. This is the world we live in. We are not exempt, but oftentimes we go through a spiritual crisis when we face something that non-christian will face because the problem is we know we have a mighty god we know he is capable of what we need him to do and he has chosen not to do that and then our crisis becomes oh god why me why have you allowed this to happen where are you at this time and it seems as if god has singled you or me out very personally to ignore us and possibly not to love us. This is a situation that I think causes Christians some of the greatest confusion. And so often we as Christians might choose to walk away from following God. And if we don't choose to walk away from following him, sometimes we just choose to just trust him for our salvation. We know we're gonna be in heaven one day. We're gonna endure this world and we just tend to not trust him for our life and the daily things because our faith cannot take it. There was a missionary, Jim Elliott. Most of you have probably heard of Elizabeth and Jim Elliott. He was an American uh, Christian missionary and they took their families, five families, went down to Ecuador to try to share Jesus with an unreached tribal group there. He was 28 years old and five, all five of the men missionaries were killed by the people that they had come to serve. He's famous for this quote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Listen to that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. God called Jim Elliot, to go die on a foreign field after he said that. When I read that quote, you might have heard it, and it sounds, oh, that's lovely, until it becomes personal, until it hits you personally that somebody has given their life for the kingdom of God. Why would God allow this to happen? This is where our spiritual crisis begins. Most likely, this side of heaven we're not gonna ever know the answers to those things. Sometimes we get to, but I can tell you most of the time, we don't get the answer to the why. We had a few years ago in our organization, missionary family serving in Liberia. And uh, it was Thanksgiving time and Missionary George Center went to pick up their son Philip from uh, boarding school to bring him home for Thanksgiving, and his wife Libby and 10-year-old daughter Rachel were preparing everything for the Thanksgiving meal when they got home. A man came into their home and raped uh, Libby and Rachel and murdered them. We sat there and we thought, where was God? What's God doing? Do you know what? There's still not an answer to that question. We still don't know why that happened. I sit there and I think, so where was God when George and Libby were feeling like God was calling them to be missionaries in Liberia, when they were saying yes to this call? Where was God when they obediently followed him into that country and gladly had been serving him there for six years? We don't understand it. And because of scriptural misinterpretation and theological misinterpretation, many times when we hit these places, we abandon God because we say, I can't trust a God who would allow this, whatever your this is, to happen. It begins to be just too risky for our faith. And it seems like to us, in our theology, that God has not done what he promised to do. If I'm a good and obedient person, God will bless me. I think this is like my Santa Claus theology. I think if I am good and obedient, good things will happen to me. If not, he'll withhold blessings and protection from me. In times like these, God seems so far away. He seems like he's not concerned about our daily lives. At some point in a believer's life, in your life, you're gonna say, why? Why, God, has this happened to me? John the Baptist experienced this same feeling. Jesus was his cousin and he was purposely put in this world to prepare the way for Jesus' coming, for his ministry. He knew, John knew he was sent here to prepare the way for the Messiah. He was young, passionate, late 20s when he hit the ground, looked like a crazy man, called him a voice crying out in the wilderness. He pointed his followers towards Jesus And even at those times, many of the people who would follow him would abandon him and go follow Jesus, which was exactly what he wanted them to do. He obediently spoke everything that God told him. He lived on locusts and honey and wore camel clothes, leather belt around his waist. He was doing total obedience of what the purpose of his life was. At the same time, King Herod was ruling at that time, he divorced his wife and married his, wa- his brother's wife, Herodias. Don't you bet they thought that was so cute? My name's Herod, and this is my wife, Herodias. <laughs> you know, so I thought, it's a sign. We're supposed to be together. But John the Baptist knew it was so wrong, and he was extremely vocal to them and to the public that this was wrong, that the king had done this. Herodias hated John for this. She hated that he had condemned this marriage, and so she convinced her husband King Herod to arrest John, but King Herod protected him because he actually was mystified by this man. He didn't understand him, and he had a healthy fear of this guy that was speaking the word of God. So now John the Baptist is in prison for doing everything God has called him to do. Meanwhile, Jesus is out performing miracles for strangers, healing the blind and healing the deaf and the mute and the the lame and changing people's lives. John is hearing about all of this. He's hearing this. And so you wonder, what did John feel at that time? How did his faith handle that situation? You would think John was great. He was a mighty, mighty spokesman for Christ with no fear. What did he feel? Did his faith waver at that time? Well, we get an idea in Matthew 11, verses two to three. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all these things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? John the Baptist's faith was wobbly. Are you the one? What's going on here, Jesus? I'm in prison. Aren't you going to come get me? I'm your relative. I'm the one called to prepare the way for you. And you're out healing people you don't even know. Are you the one, Jesus? Are you the Messiah as I sit in this smelly prison? Next verse says, Jesus tells the messengers, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus' answer to John is basically, look what's happening, John. It's moving. God's kingdom has come here. Jesus was saying, John, I am. Hold on. Then Jesus adds in verse six, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. This is a very important verse for you and me. Have you struggled with falling away because of God? This is where this faith crisis takes us. There's a blessing when we go through a crisis if we hold on to our Savior when he doesn't make sense. For John, the next thing we see is God's uh, man's sinful nature, ruling. Uh, Herod has his wife's daughter come dance before him and a bunch of men, and he promises her anything she wants. She goes and asks her mama, "What what should we ask for, mom? And mama says, I want John the Baptist's head. And so she goes back and tells King Herod, well we want uh, John the Baptist's head. Because he'd made a promise, he instantly did that and John the Baptist's head was brought on a platter to them. You read that and you go, what, what is happening here? I hate that ending, do you hate that ending? What an awful ending to this story of a man who was born to serve our heavenly father to prepare the way of the Messiah. Where was God's protection over this man that he had called to this task? What was the purpose of John the Baptist's life? To prepare the way for the Messiah. And was that accomplished? Was it? Yeah, it was accomplished. But in Proverbs 19:21, it says, you can make many plans but the Lord's purposes will prevail. In our Christian circles, there's often a phrase that Sybilla loves to abuse. If y'all want to hear the abuse of the phrase, go ask her. But um, the phrase is, God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. When I read that that saying, "Mm, wonderful plan sounds like it's going to be peachy keen. It's not a peachy keen life when we follow Jesus. God loves us, and he has a perfect plan for our lives. We are not uh, necessarily, C.S. Lewis says, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We're wondering how painful it will be. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever asked God, can you die in your sleep? Yeah. Come on, we have. That's That's my request. I've asked him that. A thousand times. Every time I hear about somebody dying in their sleep, I go, oh, hope that wasn't mine. I hope they didn't get my turn. So, yeah, I like the painless route here. We are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We're wondering how painful it's going to be. We should never interpret the goodness of God through our circumstances, but rather interpret our circumstances through the goodness of God. Take what's happening today and put it before the goodness of our God. Romans 8 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We can trust God's purposes when we don't understand his plans. Do you hear that? God will take everything in my life and work it together for the good of his purposes in my life. We can trust God's purposes when we don't understand the plan. And it's a problem of wrong expectations of God. So often we're led to believe that being a Jesus follower makes your life blessed, prosperous, filled with health, and just plain awesome. Well, sometimes it is, and sometimes it's just the opposite. Your expectations are God, are going to take a huge hit at some point. And disillusionment with God follows these disappointments. We will never be able to completely understand why God allows some things to happen. We have to live this life with unanswered questions and trusting God that he will take our lives anyway to where he wants them to be. Nearly all the Bible characters went through something similar. We have Joseph in the Old Testament. When you read about him, I don't think he understood any of God's plan until his brothers were bowing before him in the famine time. Job lost everything, livestock, children, health, houses. You know what? He actually coped well with all that. If you read in Job 1, 21 Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head, fell to the ground to worship, and he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise be the name of the Lord. Do you remember what it was that finally pushed Job over the edge? The moment when Job truly lost it was when God wouldn't talk to him anymore. Job 30, 20, all of 30 of Job is this cry. And he says, I cry to you, O God, but you don't answer. I stand before you but you don't even look. Job in his misery felt like God had abandoned him at that time. King David, in many of the Psalms, was longing to hear God's voice, longing to feel God's presence. One of those, Psalms 77, 1 through 3, I cry out to God, yes, I shout, oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. <clears throat> All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. It's believing when nothing is making sense. Persevering with God when you cannot figure him out. His promise to leave to never leave us is true. It really is true. Whether we feel his presence or not, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Emotions are not dependable, so we have to go to God's word to remind us what is true. We have to go there over and over again to read what is true about this God. God tells us over and over again how much he loves us. When we don't feel like he loves us, we go back to his word to see if he loves us. Uh, The song we learned as children, yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. It doesn't say, yes, Jesus loves me because I feel like it. It's because the Bible tells me so, that that's what makes it true. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Trusting in my emotions, sheesh. I'm like an emotional roller coaster. I've told you this before, I live my life in emotions. I'm a very emotional, very illogical person. Logic is not my first nature, and I have to ask God to help me to be logical. So I live in emotions, and my emotions can really betray me very, very often. And I'm always having to go to God and say, what's true here, God? This is what I feel, but would you tell me what is true? And he sifts through these emotions and shows me what's true. Keep on praying, no matter how you feel, because you and I can trust who God is. It, who God is, Not because we understand him, but because he's our God. Jesus is a perfect example of trust. He, like John the Baptist, knew exactly what his purpose was. Jesus didn't like the plan, though, that God had for him. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember, he began to ask God if there was another plan that could be made for God's purpose to be done. He asked God, can we do this another way? I like the purpose. I hate the plan. But what does Jesus say? Your will, God, not mine. I'll do anything but I still don't like this plan. Can't you hear him? I'll follow you anywhere, God. But I don't like the plan. I've told God that on many occasions. I will go anywhere you ask me to go. But this is not fun right now. I tell him that. And then Jesus was arrested, beaten, whipped, mocked, humiliated, and then crucified as a criminal. Our perfect, sinless Savior hung on a cross in shame and humiliation. And if you recall, there's the point. When Jesus, in our human form, cries out in agony, why, God, why did you allow this to happen? Do you feel his loneliness Do you feel his desperation of trying to figure out, God, you're my father. Why have you left me here to go through this? Every part of our Christian faith hinges right there. Every part of what we believe is hung on that cross right there. God's silence did not mean his purpose was not happening. God's silence meant his will was on the right track. He was in the process of saving you and me. His purpose was being handled. His love for us was being shown in such an incredible way. Where's Jesus God? Right there. Right there with our Savior. When we don't experience God doing what we think he should do, when we don't experience that he doesn't do what we know he can do, we ask God to give us more faith to trust him. We ask God to help us in our doubt, to give us people to encourage us, to just shore up our faith so we can hold on to his goodness and trust that his purpose will work everything out for the good. And do you know what? Some of us will not see that purpose until we are standing face to face with our Jesus. I'm telling you, sometimes we are not going to see the answer to that prayer until this life is over. But hold on. Only God can take us through these times that we don't understand. Your financial struggles, your health crisis, your rebellious children, your family that walks outside of God's plan, broken family relationships, on and on it goes. Tell Jesus how you feel. Take it all to him. Tell him if you feel let down. Tell him you know he's better than this. Tell him, I know you, God. I know you can do everything. I'm just asking for a baby little tiny thing. Why, God? Maybe you won't get the answer but God can start working in your life. Oftentimes, we want to have a vending machine God and that we can just go and select, and God, I'd like for you to do this, and we punch a button, and out comes exactly what we ask. Oftentimes, when I think about that, it sounds kind of good for a moment, but truly, do I want God to answer everything I think I want and need? No, I really don't. I would have missed some amazing blessings in my life if God had done everything I asked him to do. Oftentimes, when things go through our lives, these begin to be the place that God uses to show the world his goodness. As I look over this room, and there's so many stories in this room that I know. So many of you have a God story when the bottom fell out. And God didn't stop it. And you know what? If you think about people like that, you go ask those beautiful, godly people, how did your faith get so strong? How do you stand so firm when these days are so difficult? And most of them will point to an event in their life where they saw their Jesus show up and take them through the hardest days of their lives. God's purposes will always bring attention and honor and glory to himself. And so then we think, so why bother to pray if God's gonna do whatever he wants? Well, I can tell you this, prayer aligns our hearts with God's heart. So when we go before God, he starts moving our will into his will. That makes it easier. I promise you, once you see God's heart in a situation, it makes it so much easier to go through it. God also speaks to us through prayer, and he reminds us over and over again how much he loves us. He reminds us that he has not left us even though this day is dark. Prayer breaks down strongholds, spiritual strongholds. You see in the Bible, like with Daniel, where he prayed, and so many days later, the angel shows up and said, we were on our way with the second you prayed, but there were spiritual forces that kept us from getting here. I believe praying and praying and praying and praying because I think so often that God has said yes in heaven and that answer is coming through hell in this world to be answered here. Our prayer breaks down these spiritual strongholds. We went to a water park many times in the Texas area, and it has this huge bucket. Huge, I can't even describe how huge. Probably this way, about the size of this room bucket. And it's way up high, and water's pouring into it continuously. There's just pipes with water pouring in. All of a sudden, the bell starts ringing. Everybody from the park runs to the bucket. Everybody just running, because the bell means it's hit a certain level. It's almost there. And all of a sudden, as you're standing there, this bucket goes, and this water just comes knocking you flat. How awesome is that, hey? Just like a tsunami at a water park. It just mows us all down as this bucket dumps all over us. Do you know what I love about the bucket? At what point does this bucket tip? One drop. There's a one drop tipping point of this bucket. All this that was going, 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 gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of water. Suddenly, one drop dumps this humongous tsunami bucket all over us. I like to think of prayer like that. That's the way I pray. What if this is it? God, what if this prayer changes the situation? What if this prayer answers what thousands of people have been asking you for? What if it's my prayer that changes the world into revival as we sit before our Heavenly Father? Jim Elliot also said, the will of God is always a bigger thing than we bargain for but we must believe that whatever it involves, it is good, acceptable, and perfect. God's thoughts are not like yours and mine. Oh, how glad I am that they are not. He would be a chaos God if he thought like me. He would never accomplish anything if he thought like me. He would start to the bedroom and then turn to go to the kitchen and then think, no, I have to go get something out of the bathroom. God doesn't think like me. Praise God he does not think like you and me. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But we sit there and we come back to this question. Can we, like Jesus told John the Baptist, not fall away because he doesn't make sense to us? Can we hold on to the truth that the Bible gives us? Can you hold on to your past? Can you recall who he has been in your past? And you can say, God, you were here, here, and here during these times in my life, and so today I'm going to trust that you are here with me at this moment, that you are going to hold on to what's true. You're not going to hold on to the situation that you're looking at that's screaming in your face. I challenge you, these hurts in your heart against God. God is big enough to take them. He's big enough for you to say to him, just make me mad. You've really hurt me here. I don't understand where you are. I don't know what you're doing. Take those to God. Let him begin to love you through those. Let him just show you how mighty he is. Not gonna give you the answers. He's not gonna tell you the why, but he's gonna tell you how much he loves you and what a good purpose he has for your life. And that if you will just hold on one day, this world's gonna be left behind and the victory is all ours. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you endured the cross for us when nothing was making sense you held on. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't say, I'm out of here, but you completed God's purpose for our salvation. And so, Lord, you as our example, please help us to hold on when you don't make sense, when our hearts are crying, why, God? Lord, help us to release our hurts, our disappointments in you. Increase our faith, Jesus. We want to know more of you. We want to be stronger than ever before in our faith as we walk with you. Lord, make us mighty warriors for you, that we stand firm in the days of trouble, knowing that your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your righteousness cover us all the days of our life. In your name I pray, Jesus, amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.